Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Moderation Drinking. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Uh, looking forward to a good conversation today with Sam Meter. Sam, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. How are things uh, down at the beach? You at the beach, I assume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. It's uh, Today is just kind of cool and cloudy, but uh, uh, tomorrow's supposed to be in the 60s again, so we're excited to be here. You know, this might be a topic for a future uh, blog and podcast for you, but like, how often do you travel and, and how much of this you know, the moderation drinking concept, how hard is it to maintain that when you're on the road and going places and around people that don't spend a lot of time with you? Well, it's uh, it's a lifestyle. So it's a good question. <laughs> and one of the things that uh, I created, you know, and wanted to talk about today, launching my concept called Moderation February is uh, both of my uh, sons live on the West Coast. They're now in college, but you know, for years uh, I would travel out there regularly and through various iterations of employment. Um, I was a sales manager on the East Coast, so for a few years I was, um, you know, really up and down floor, you know, from Miami up to Maine. And um, it, I, I think what it comes down to is accountability and control. Now that I'm practicing moderation drinking, I have this first round last call challenge coin that I developed, but it doesn't matter what your tools and tactics are, as long as you can take them with you where, wherever you go. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, today, uh, you got a you got a new blog. It's called Moderation February is here. Last, last time we talked about, uh, we talked about dry January being um, an interesting concept, but not necessarily applicable to what needs to happen. Um, tell me about uh, moderation February, why you why you came up with that concept? Sure. it's uh, we touched on this uh, some of the things we're going to talk about. We did touch on it last month with the uh, the dry January conversation. but you know, uh, moderation February, it's a new concept and, and website, kind of you know a shameless piggyback on the popularity of dry January. Uh, the premise is really simple. it's a it's a commitment to using a set of tools and tactics that allow, anyone to ease back into drinking after a month without alcohol. And I know for me, when I was uh, drinking heavily, and I did dry January a couple of times, uh, but for me, uh, what what it became about was counting the days until February 1st came around and then ended up drinking even more in the month of February to make up for lost time. Right. Uh, and you can kind of hear that in the quotes of, you know, people when they talk about getting through dry January, they just got to power through or survive it. Uh, it. Their tone sounds a little bit more like survival than, you know, a happy lifestyle choice of less alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the concept of um, moderation February really aligns with the overall concept of your message, which is it's OK to drink, just drink uh, appropriately and drink responsibly. Yeah, exactly. And then. um you know, one of the things that I found about Dry January and its participants, it is a tends to you know be the the New Year's resolution thing uh, that people latch onto because it's become so popular. But that concept of you know cold turkey stop drinking um, isn't really sustainable, and that type of mindset for Dry January doesn't help you at a Super Bowl party in February, bachelor party in April, or wedding in June. Yeah. And what I'm promoting with my uh, moderation drinking and the first round last call challenge coin is really a lifestyle tools and tactics you can take with you any week, any month throughout the year, uh, whenever you hit a, an event where you might be tempted to overconsume. Sam, is your um, is your thoughts on people failing with moderate um, dry January? Is that are there numbers? Are there are there 
documents and things to back yeah, up? Yeah, I've seen a lot of statistics. Um, and there there was one uh, out there, I think, called um, Statcom or something. Uh, I'll, I can get that. But it, it they talked about um, about half of the people just fail out and don't complete it. But one in 10 don't even make it past three days. And um, it, again, it gets back to you, you make a New Year's resolution. It's just hard to stick to for a lifestyle change that you can do for the long haul. Yeah. And one of the concepts you talked about, which is really gotten a lot of popularity in the last one as well as we can talk about it now, I'm sure. And that is, you know, non-alcoholic um, beverages that look and taste like beer. Uh, maybe I haven't seen wine. Maybe is, is there such thing as wine, but it certainly uh, allows you to kind of moderate how much you're consuming. Uh, does that play a, a role in this concept of moderation? Oh, Pepper? absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've got on my website, uh, moderationdrinking.com, all of my reviews of many of the non-alcoholic beers. And I use them as a, as a tool. Uh, a lot of times, um, uh, particularly I'm in the middle of a remodel. Now we, we have these beachfront rentals, so we're crazy busy in the summer, but we do all of our maintenance in the winter. Yeah. And so I've been working 12, 14 hour days, swinging a hammer, moving a paintbrush, uh, doing everything in between of the various trades that we're hiring. And I use, I call it, you know, entitlement drinking. There's days that I work my ass off and I feel like I should be able to drink as much as I want. So when I go to reach for something right when I'm at the point of God, I really need a drink or I want to drink. I'll start off with a non-alcoholic beer and that sort of like allows me to chug without the buzz. Yeah. I have a question for you. Is there a, when it comes to non-alcoholic beer and, and fully loaded alcohol beer, which by the way, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these um, uh, brews, these um, uh, craft brews, they have a lot of alcohol in them. Um, is there the concept of a, like a, um, a, a lower, um, lower alcohol beer that I know we market you know, like light beer, uh, but that's typically for calorie perspective is the concept of something in moderation um, a reality? Yeah, I think um, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, when I was growing up uh, and started to enjoy beer, it was really Budweiser and Miller and a few others. And they were all like three, four percent. Now, with all these microbrews, you can get them seven percent alcohol, eight percent. And you drink one of those. It's like drinking two regulars. Um but the non-alcoholic beers, I don't, I don't know of any that go to one or two percent. Right. It's strictly just non-alcohol, and they've really come a long way. I think with the popularity of Dry January, and a movement, particularly in um, Gen X and and some of the younger folks, that many of the large-scale brewers are catering to that. And there's a, such a wide variety of non-alcoholic beers now that make the, the the experience a lot easier, and the taste really has come a long way. Yeah, you know, I. I'm gonna be honest. I have never tried a non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beer. I'm going to do it this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab one. I'm gonna get whatever you know, whatever gets recommended at the at the restaurant that I go to. Maybe you want to recommend one here that sure. I. Sure. very I, common. I, on my website. I've reviewed some of the most popular. I will say, um, if you are a fan of Heineken beer, mm -hmm. uh, their non-alcoholic beer tastes exactly like the alcoholic beer. It also is. In my opinion, certainly here in South Carolina and where I've traveled to in Boston and Seattle, I go to those markets quite frequently. Uh, and I've been to Mexico. It, it, I would call it the ubiquitous one because it's everywhere. Uh, you will likely be able to find um, Heineken non-alcoholic beer, non beer in any restaurant in your location in Charlotte or in any supermarket. Um, and it's pretty darn good. I would say my all-time favorite is a... Uh, is a, a brand called Klaus Tauler. It's German. 
and it really has the best flavor of any non-alcoholic beer uh, I've tasted. Uh, Sam Adams has a hazy IPA that's non-alcoholic that's got sort of a fruity bent to it, yeah. and I would call that a solid number two. But those are the three that I drift towards, yeah. and particularly Heineken, you can find it just about any bar or any supermarket. Yeah, I'll definitely give that give that a a try this week and report back next time and tell you what my thoughts are. Sure. Um, but you know that, and I, I guess I'm going to go back to this again. The the idea that there's somewhere in between, something in moderation, right? So I, I spent a lot of time in Utah, and I know for a long period of time, you know, you bought a a, a Bud Light or a Budweiser or something, and it was not four percent; it was more around two percent. The concept of a lower alcohol brew, even for the mainstream um, brands, it, it's out there. It's just, you know, I, I, it hasn't hit mainstream. It hasn't hit um, um, mainstream to where, you know, like you said, the the, the Gen Zers and things want it. Uh, so it's either nothing or regular. Um, it's got. I, I bet that's coming. I bet that does happen. Yeah, and it would be it would be sweet. And I think this is all in the uh, the overall heading of specialization. You know, I remember. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, I, I, I knew uh, friends or, or parents of friends who went into AA and it seemed like you were either an alcoholic over drinking in AA or you were totally OK with drinking. There was no gray area. It was right. uh, didn't seem like moderation was a concept. Yeah. And uh, I think now with everything specialized, you, you can commit to it and uh, drink less on a regular basis. You know, I, I'm thinking through a conversation I had recently with a high school friend who's obviously now 50 years old. Um, and I, um, the conversation was about drinking too much. His wife, you know, say, hey, you're getting kind of chubby and you need to cut back and you're uh, out of control. Um, and his and my response to him was, well, why don't you just drink, you know, like light domestic beer? And he said, well, that's great. But the problem is I drink it twice as fast. Well, and I, I, I know for me, and I mentioned this earlier about, you know, working hard on the remodel when I am hot and sweaty, tired or feeling like I worked my tail off. Yeah. Um, and that first beer that I reach for, I know I'm going to drink it fast. And that's why I substitute a non-alcoholic beer for the first one that I have. Um, and, uh, you know, going out to, you know, a bar or restaurant with the first round last call challenge corner, I stick to two, but there are times when I'll order one. And, and I, I do like an IPA. They tend to be heavier, higher alcohol content. But before I have my second one, I'll order uh, either club soda or a non-alcoholic beer in between. Yeah. Um, and that's so your friend is right. He might have to drink it twice as fast, but why not interject a, a non-alcoholic beer of his choice that he likes? Yeah, it, may, it makes so much sense. You and I sitting here talking about it. But in practice, I bet it's hard for a lot of people. It is when you're at, at the bar with your friends and um, <laughs> you really you really want to have a relaxing time and you feel like you've earned it because of whatever day you had. And I will agree with you. You get out and you cut the grass and you're, it's hot June, July, August day. And man, that first beer, it goes down so quick and so easy. It does. It's, it's like a reward, like you said, but at the same time, you're punishing yourself. You just don't realize it. Right. All right, Sam. So um, let's just, I know you've hit it a couple of times here, but let's, let's hit it just a little one more time and maybe more succinctly the, the coin and what, what you have that you're providing to people uh, to help make a difference here, your coin help us. Help yeah. Us. It's called the first round last call challenge coin. And I developed it as a tool to help limit my drinking after I realized I had a problem. I actually did uh, spend a year in AA helped me stop drinking for a year. I kept a scorecard 
So I, I, I knew how many drinks I had a day. So for 365 days, I had zero drinks. And I thought, well, you know, what would it be like if I drank again? What what measure of control would I have? And I've always sort of been, you know, my my ex-career, I was an architect. So I'm always sketching, drawing, thinking, planning, designing. And I started researching what what things help people change their behavior or what rewards them. And I just stumbled online these things called challenge coins. So I kind of designed a, a coin with a concept of two drinks that it has two sides and using the ubiquitous drinking terms of first round, last call, um, designed it, you know, applied for a trademark on it. Uh, and it worked very well for me. And one of the things that that I experienced when I first started drinking again and went out to a bar with it, um, never forget this, you know, and I made the coins really heavy, they're thick metal. I put it down on the bar and you you kind of hear it, you know, clinking around and 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 people look over and go, oh, what's that? And so I would explain it to the bartender or whoever and the concept. Um, and they'd say, that's really cool. That I that, that that that's I could see that working. And then, you know, a, a drink later when I'm having a good time and I'm about to order another and I realize, oh, I, I've already flipped it over. I'm on last call. I yeah. can't order a third. I just told everybody around me I'm stopping at two. Right. So it ended up being like a peer pressure thing as well. Um, and as I said, it's been a very effective tool for me. Uh, I do sell them online on my website and I've got a lot of testimonials from people who say it's, it's a really good thing for them. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I appreciate it. And as we talk about every time, it's something that everybody needs my generation, generation after mine and the generation still coming up. Um, it, it, it just makes a lot of sense for people to have something to be held accountable for, because if not, We've seen what happens. Yeah, whatever tool they use. I, again, this this tool I created for me, it was very successful. People started asking about it. So I gave it to family and friends. And when I put it on the website, it actually started selling. Um, but it doesn't matter whether it's a coin or a notebook. And, uh, and on my website, too, you'll see uh, a tab called Moderation Resources. I've got uh, connections in there that could um, get you in touch with, um, I don't want to say therapists or life coaches that specialize in drinking less. There's apps. You can literally have an app on your phone where every time you go out to drink, you click a button and you describe what your drink is. So you can have a tally of how many drinks you had that much, how much alcohol, all yeah. kinds of things. And it doesn't matter what you use. I My premise is find some tools and tactics that you can limit your drinking so you can control it. Cause it's very easy as we know to get out of control with alcohol. Hey, Sam, probably a topic for another time, but are you um, aware of the the idea that the little push buttons in your start, the start button for your car, they're going to put a sensor in there that's supposed to be able to read your blood alcohol level. Have you seen anything about that? Yeah, I know, um, you know, we're aware that there was a, a tragedy that happened on Folly Beach last year where the bride uh, was killed on her wedding night by an alleged drunk driver. And South Carolina, where we live, is one of the, uh, has the weakest laws of punishing drunk drivers. And uh, that's something that looks like it's changing here. Uh, that law concept, I know they're they're proposing it, um, and manufacturers are saying that it's going to be fairly easy for them to do it. But uh, what I've seen in some of the states I've looked at is that there's been pushback. But yeah. I applaud any effort that you know helps people from getting behind the wheel driving when they're drunk. Yeah, at, at the very least, something that senses it and says, "Okay, if you're going to do this, you got to override it with a code or something." That would be awesome. Sam, uh, regarding moderation February um, and the concept that you come up with here, anything we haven't covered, you'd want to make sure we cover? No, it's just, uh, again, it is an awareness that 
you know, you might be tempted to overdrink after dry January and consider some tools and tactics that help you dial it back and maintain control in the month of February as you start drinking again and use those tools and tactics at any time throughout the year, yeah. whatever works for you. Right. Whatever works for you. That's the key. Sam, I appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again next month. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much.